Hey there, welcome to Football with Grant Wall. Thanks so much for joining me. Our interview guest today is Austin FC head coach Josh Wolf. Before we get going, you can sign up for a free or paid subscription to my writing site at grantwall.com. I've got a big story coming out this week on my trip to speak to migrant workers in Qatar. It's a must read. You should check it out. We're just starting year two, and I have big plans to cover the men's and women's World Cups in the next 12 months. So subscribe, grantwall.com. Now, here's my interview with Josh Wolf. We're here in Austin, Texas this week, and our guest now is Austin FC coach Josh Wolf. Wolf has Austin in second place in the West as we head into the MLS stretch run. Josh, it's great to see you. Thanks for coming on the show. You as well. Thanks for having me. So we're recording this on Tuesday, coming out Thursday. You've got a game in between on Wednesday against Salt Lake. But let's step back a little bit. Last season was Austin's first in the league. You finished 12th in the West. And you've made a big jump this season. You're currently in second place in the West. That fits the profile of what Atlanta and LAFC did in their second seasons in the league. What, in your opinion, have been the key factors in Austin's rise this season? Well, I think there's a, there's a number of things that have helped us. Um, I think it's one, the first thing is the ambition of the club to, to continue to improve and get better. Um, I think philosophically, we wanted to come out last year and establish who we were and have an identity. And we put a lot into that, certainly the way that we built out our roster and the, the types of players, the profiles that we brought in and um, what we thought we would try to do in the first six months of the season. Obviously, establish an attacking-based um, team and have a, you know certainly an entertainment value to it and, and, and be something that the fans were proud of. Obviously, you want to win games as well. So I think the foundation was laid. There were some struggles along the way you know, from some of the roster build injuries and, and, and a lack of quality in certain areas. But we added some quality at the midpoint and Sebastian and, and um, is, a, is, a, is Sebastian Juicy was a big addition, obviously. And you know, we there are growing pains, certainly growing pains. But the second year we came in with more leadership and um, some additions to character and quality and I think that put us in in a space that now we could uh, advance built you know continue to build off what we had in the first year but it, it came much quicker I think in the second year and some of that was because of the failures I think that that, that put us in a good spot you had a huge 4-1 win against LAFC here on national TV late last month and I happen to be here now when you've had your first three game losing streak of the season <laughs> what, what are your the most important things for you as a team to get right in the remainder of this stretch run and once the playoffs start? Um, there's there's a few things. Obviously, you you want to get into the playoffs, which, you know, based on points, we're probably already in there. But um, it has been a difficult run lately. Uh, you going to Minnesota, going to Seattle, going to Nashville, these are good opponents. And winning games on the road is challenging. So I think we've shown all year we're a very good team on the road. We, we maybe haven't shown that lately. We've been a very strong team at home as well. And we're going to have that opportunity to close out the season. Three games at home, one away. Um, and that's our opportunity to really capture momentum again. And coming home to play so Lake tomorrow is a, is a big moment. We can win tomorrow. We will check off the goals that we set out for the beginning of the year. You know, make the playoffs and have a home playoff game. And that's really important to us. And that's that's what we're going to focus on right now. If you were going to make a case for Sebastian Driussi to be the MVP of the league, what would that case be? 
Well, I think I think his consistency throughout the entire year, from from start to today, has 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 been the best in the league. I think his qualities um, of being a playmaker, scoring goals in a variety of ways, his work ethic, um, certainly the the team's performance has been a big has been a big part of that. We would talk to him about, you know, in order for anyone in most leagues in this country for for a player to win MVP, the team has to achieve something. So he's very much a team player and bought into that. Um, but but he's an exceptional talent. There's there's many good players in our league. Uh, of course, I'm slightly biased to, to Sebastian he's been um, you know he's been incredibly uh, strong throughout the season when we when we've needed uh, the higher quality and you know certainly his quality he's delivered uh, more times than not and I think he's taken a beating throughout the year so lately he's probably felt that a little bit more but that's also part of being one of the prized possessions in the league so um, we got four games left he's got a shot at it and we're going to try to support him as best we can. I don't know if you remember this, but back in 1996, you were one of the first people I ever interviewed in my job for Sports Illustrated. It was in Richmond around the NCAA Final Four, and you were there training with the under-20 national team. What did the Josh Wolf of those days, a young man, <laughs> what did that Josh Wolf think would be your future career path, and was coaching a part of it? I will start with the latter part. Coaching being part of it, probably not. But being a professional soccer player, yes, that was um, that was my ambition. That was the idea for me, and 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 making the youth national team, um, going to an Olympics, setting goals along the way. I think is really important. Was important for me, but I think it's important for a lot of players. And you know, obviously, making it to a World Cup, you know, you know, those things were were thing, you know, goals that you you kind of keep moving along with. But you know. Project 40 was our first taste of, uh, I guess, modern-day generation Adidas. And I, I, Ben Olsen, myself, Carlos Parra, there were a lot of guys that were part of that first group. And, um, you know, that was our entry into MLS, which was just a couple years old. So it was a great opportunity. It was the opportunity that we wanted. We made $24,000, and it was, you know, the most exciting times of our lives. But, um, you know, that was always my ambition, was to was to play professional soccer, whether it was in MLS or somewhere else. But um, that was the door that got us, that got us introduced to the game here in the U.S. And, and we ran with it. Help with some of our listeners, because what I found out is we've gotten a lot of new soccer fans in the last 10 years who have no idea what Project 40 <laughs> means or is. Could you explain what it was? Well, I think it was the idea of, of trying to get younger players in a professional environment at a younger age. And, you know, I, we didn't have academy structures. The universities were were, were, were a pretty n normal pathway. There weren't players coming out of high school. So uh, you were foregoing your, your college career, in essence, and, and signing a Project 40 contract that puts you into one, one of the MLS teams. And, and now you're in a professional environment training day in and day out. They would provide you with $40,000 to go back to school if that was something that you wanted to pursue or had the time to pursue. Um, but in, in the end, it was, it was Project 40, and it was destined. The goal back then was to win the World Cup up by 2010 and uh, those were clear messages I remember sitting in in rooms with Sunil Galati and, and certainly our, our U20s and, and and hearing this message and idea and of course it's exciting um, to be part of it and, and more exciting for the individual you, you got to chase your dream of being a professional soccer player it's interesting because you talk about project 2010 yeah, another yeah. project where that was literally talked about in those days and you know, sometimes people laugh when they hear, oh, about talking about the U.S. winning the World Cup in 2010. But you, you know what I tell them is that in 2002, the U.S. got to the quarterfinals of the World Cup, arguably outplayed Germany, probably should have had a, a goal line handball red card penalty kick situation, and, and then could have played South Korea in the semifinals of the World Cup. The point being that the U.S. actually was not far from the World Cup final. 
Does that ever enter your mind when you think about that? Yes, absolutely. All of that is accurate, and it's exactly right. And of course, you need some good fortunes, but you, you need a belief, you need a quality, you need a group. Um, and, and that's what we had, and that's what 2002 was, and it was unfortunate. It is a red card handball on the goal line, and it could change the direction of, of a lot of things. But we played Korea and tied them 1-1. Of course, they're a difficult opponent in their, in their, their home country, but um, the opportunity could have been there. And it's, you know, it's a, it's a frightening thing to think of, but, you know, obviously where we are today and we have so much more talent now and obviously players playing at much higher level, but um, you were right there on the cusp of it. And it was, you know, it was exciting at the moment, but we, we certainly all talk about, you know, when we think back on it. I spent the last year working as part of a pretty big team on a documentary film project that I know you participated in on the USA-Mexico soccer rivalry. Comes out on Amazon in November, three-part series. Um, and... It reminded me, going back through a lot of the USA-Mexico games over the years, that you played a very big role in a lot of them. You scored goals, you set up goals, you were a big part of the 2002 World Cup win against Mexico. When you think back on your role in those games against Mexico today, what stands out to you the most? Um, just being impactful. I think as a player, it's you're trying to be impactful in these games. Some of these are friendly, some of them are qualifiers, and some of them are at the World Cup. And you know, I think Bruce always did a great job of making you know all the players feel like they were going to have a role and have an opportunity. And I think once you know in the World Cup, once once it fell that way, it was it was pretty immediate. And you know, he had he had voiced it in some of the other games when we played Mexico. Like somehow you have their number, somehow you have a real ability to make an impact in these games. And um, that's always something that stuck with me as a, as an attacker. You want to be impactful but you know uh, no matter what the stage is that's your job as an attacker is to score goals create goals penalties and so forth but be a good teammate so um, you know those opportunities against Mexico fell I usually took them pretty well and um, you know the results are, are in the end what are most important and, and I was glad to just contribute. You mentioned we were talking a second ago that teenage Josh Wolf didn't really think much about being a coach someday yeah. at, at what point did that become something you thought about? Uh, I'd say when I went to Germany to, to play, um, a little bit older going there and, and, and was looking more for a new experience and something different And after a second World Cup. So uh, I was there with Greg. We played at 1860. Uh, and, and for me, it's... It's interesting because here I am in MLS and you see foreigners come to our league and it's difficult. It's challenging. So now I'm the foreigner going to another league and you got to open up to new ideas and 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 be more uh, of a growth mindset and learn and you know there's a humility to it. So I enjoyed going there and seeing what it was like. The game was taught in a different way as well. There's more detail to it and I played with Bob, Brad, you know, for Bob Bradley and Bob Gansler and um, you know obviously Bruce Arena. So it's it's also very good coaches. But I, I just I appreciated now a little bit more of the detail. It's probably a little more mature and thinking about the game and watching the game a little more. So I think those things coincided. And the moment I came back from Germany, um, for me, it was my moment to now start pursuing a little bit more of the coaching idea. You're getting older. You realize it's not forever. Um, and, and that was kind of the, when the pathway started, I think. You mentioned some of the coaches you played for, Bob Gansler, Bruce Arena, Bob Bradley. You were an assistant coach with Greg yeah. Berhalter. Uh, in what ways did some of those guys influence you specifically in, in how they approach things that you take a little bit of that in what you do now? A, a little bit of everything. Uh, again, I think of 
Bob Bradley was my first professional coach and the amount of work and the detail that he would put in, um, the care and the inner circle that he always spoke of and, and, and how important that was. You know, Bob Gansler had a good intensity and always reminded you about the family aspect of what a team is like. Bruce would bring a certain level of intensity and, and more man management. Um, and being with Greg is, was, was a whole new heightened level for me because there was so much more of the teaching element and the detail behind it and how you ref review it and refine it. And, um, you know, as an assistant coach, you're obviously in that space a little bit more than you are as a player with those coaches, but um, a, real, a real appreciation for it to, to help, you know, help Greg grow, but for my, myself to really grow in that space, it was, it was really impactful and really important for me. Is there any sort of thing you could share about Greg Berhalter as a coach or a person that would be helpful for these U.S. fans as we look forward to this World Cup yeah. coming soon now that he'll be coaching the U.S. team in and will be a defining experience not the, but a defining experience of his coaching career. Well, I think there's there's a lightheartedness side to Greg that we don't always get to see. I mean, he is, um, you know, when when we're around him every day, there's there's different experiences that you share, and and he's still quite youthful in 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 moments. And when you're coaching the men's national team, uh, there's obviously a, a, a huge amount of out you know outside pressure inside the group. Though it's still a young group, and he maintains that connection, I think, extremely well with 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 players of all all backgrounds and all ages and. And for me, knowing who he was and working alongside him for six, seven years, it is intense. But you have to find time to enjoy it. You have to have time to, to let loose a little bit. And he does that. And I think, um, you know, the fans probably don't always get to see that because, look, it's a, it's a business of results. And he's always going to be scrutinized and measured up based on that. And in all honesty, I think, you know, the results have been pretty, pretty good. We talk about influences of coaches that you've played for, worked with. What are some things about the way you coach that are very you, very Josh Wolf? Um, yeah, I think I think there's there's growth over the first year and, and certainly this year. I think being uh, a little more aware of, of, of what you allow the, the assistant coaches to bring in, even taking more more reflection from the players. We we come in with our ideas and it's pretty rigid and and you learn quickly that you know there there is a softness to this. There is a, a bringing along the coaches and the players. Everybody has to have a role in this. So um, you know I think the biggest part is communication. As a head coach, there's lots of departments that you have to manage and um, you also have to manage each player. So the communication piece with players and staff um, becomes extremely critical because the games are uh, up and down. There are ebbs and flows. There's congestion and there's breaks. So um, you want to strike relationships, build relationships, because they will be tested. The games will come, become challenging. And what you have is your bond with the group. And it's, it's extremely important in good and bad times. How would you describe how MLS has changed since when you played to where it is today? Well, I think the the amount of quality and talent inside the league has changed. Um, you know, in the last you know, you know, four or five years, I think that's the you know the trends of the players come here, the ages, the profiles that they're coming at. The game day experience in our league is is to me is what has set the game, the sport off in this in this uh, in this country. I can speak on behalf of what it's like here in Austin at Q2. Um, you know what what the intensity is like, what the energy is like, what the support leading up to the game is during the game. So uh, what it looks like on TV, it's you know it's it's incredible to be here. And I think that um, along with the quality that you're able to provide on the field um, gives a real entertainment value. And I think that's you know, in the last five years, three years, I mean, it's it's been much, much different than I certainly crawl, recall in 1998 when I first came in. <laughs> We're getting old. <laughs> yeah, I am old. You know, I, don't, I don't know how old you are. You still look young to me, but uh, I'm feeling it, you know, each day. <laughs> Winding down here with Josh Wolf, really appreciate the time. I, 
you work a lot every day, obviously, with your staff, with your players. Um, I'm also curious, though, to know sort of how the how you would describe the relationship of working with Claudio Reyna, the sporting director here, and Anthony Precourt, yeah, the owner. Yeah, yeah, Anthony's here today. I mean, he pops in every now and then. Um, Eddie, so you know, a couple of the owners, but uh, you know, with Claudio, I think we, you know, our, our office space is quite close to each other. We have meetings twice a week, typically part of our leadership council and or our leadership team and, and also working with the scouting team. So, um, there's plenty of interaction. He's present every day watching training. So we have to have feedback. There has to be dialogue. We, we got to maintain how we want to continue to get better. Um, and, and also just to reflect on, on what's been happening. He's, he's obviously got a, a great experience in the sport, a, a good eye for what's happening inside the building and outside the building. So communication, again, it's quite key. And, and having Anthony and Eddie, um, we have we have barbecues here. We do things as a team, and it's it's always important to to have everybody included as often as possible. And and we certainly you know we certainly encourage that. Matthew McConaughey has been out to some of our barbecues, so it's it's a great group and it's a great ownership group. And and this is a very strong family. The the bond inside this building is has been extremely strong all year. And I think that's also why um, we are in the situation that we are at the end of the year, where we can we can clinch a playoffs and a home play you know certainly a home playoff game as well. You talk about the playoffs. You've played in the MLS playoffs. It's one and done. Yeah. Um, you have some players who played in the MLS playoffs, but you have quite a few who haven't. What will you say to them about how it's different? What's what it's like? Um, it's it's a great question, and we've talked a little bit about it this year. But I was also saying that last year, down the stretch, we had you know we were out of the playoffs, but we were playing teams that were playing in the playoffs, teams that were playing for a playoff spot, and and I I quickly tried to. Um, redirect our attention you know let's make these last home games as as good as we can based on you know building for next year and know we're going to play some opponents that are fighting for their lives or fighting for position in the playoff to try to give a little bit of a feeling what a playoff game is going to feel like for the Sebastian Drews these guys have played in Champions League games they played in big big games but the playoffs are just a different animal they're ref differently they look differently and and they become single elimination so we've talked about it a little bit last year and, and of late we've we've certainly put it on the radar but um, you know we want to keep focused Focusing on each 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 opponent, the next opponent, as much as we can, and when the playoffs arrive, you know, hopefully be in a good space, ready to go. But it's um, it's an exciting time. The one and done makes it really interesting. So uh, you know, we want to we want to play at home. That's that's the goal right now. You mentioned Matthew McConaughey, so I got to ask: You got any good stories involving him? No, I think he does a. He's a very authentic, genuine guy. When he gets around, um, you know, around us at a barbecue or he's at the stadium before before some of our matches, he's uh, he's quite jovial. He's quite passionate about Austin, which uh, I think is is who he is and what he's always been about. But um, we're fortunate to have him on our on our ownership group, and uh, as is the rest of our, our owners, they're, they're they're fantastic human beings. What do you see as the next step for this club to take? Um, well, I think the playoffs are one thing, and, and now what, what can we make of that in the playoffs? And, uh, you know, the first thing that I always say is that you, if you can get in that door and get a chance, you know, anything can happen. And it's single elimination, as you said, and uh, you want to finish as high as possible so you can grab as many home games as you can if you can progress. But um, beyond that right now, I, I don't think too much. Um, obviously, we got to continue to improve this roster. And... Um, Whatever happens this year, you'll you'll turn the page quickly and start thinking about 2023. And uh, there's changes coming next year. Leagues, leagues, cups coming. We're playing against you know there's a Mexican competition. The Open Cup will start up again. More opportunity to make Champions League. So uh, it's a it'll be a robust schedule, and and we'll need more bodies. We'll need more quality, just like everybody in this league. We want to keep getting better. Josh Wolf is the head coach of Austin FC. Thanks for coming on the show. Thank you for having me.
Thanks for listening to Football with Grant Wall. I'd like to thank Josh Wolf as well as producer Chris Whittingham. You can now sign up for a free or paid subscription to my newsletter at grantwall.com. The best way to support my work is by taking out a paid subscription. See you next time. Thank you.